Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pick and Play Podcast. Uh, and today we are going to be breaking down NFL upcoming. We're going to be taking a look at the top five and bottom five teams, as well as some dark horses to keep our eye on. I'm sure we'll get a little bit into uh, Leo's Titans destroying the Bills last night. And uh, obviously, Leo, how are you feeling? Hey, man, let's get straight into my Titans destroying the Bills last night. Yeah. That was a dominant performance by the Titans. I'm going to be honest with you. They've struggled with the Bills in the last couple seasons. I think at least the last two seasons they've lost to the Bills. And so this week, coming off of one practice in two weeks, playing against the team that they've struggled against the last couple years, I didn't really have high hopes about it. And they answered my concerns with a 42-16 to victory. Oh, my God. God, I was feeling great last night. Yeah, it, it was a great game. It was a runaway train. Um, I did have the Titans, and I had the over, uh, and I thought the Titans would do most of the heavy lifting. Uh, I didn't really like as soon as it was announced that A.J. Brown was going to play and that uh, Tredavious White was out. Um, I thought that was, I thought that was going to be something the Bills were going to have to deal with. The Bills' defense has not been good this year. Uh, that's a fact. Uh, They continue to struggle. And I will say this. I'm not taking a victory lap on the Josh Allen thing. Let me me make something perfectly clear to everybody out there. I have three years of fucking data to back me up. Three fucking years. Everyone went out there and went nuts over four fucking games. Four games, you guys all started sucking your own dicks. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Uh, There were three years of data. You know, people right now on Twitter are going into it going, oh, you know, one bad game and the Josh Allen haters are coming out. No, go fuck yourself. It's been three years of bad games. Now he has four good games against three really bad teams, one decent team in the Rams. And, and let, me, let me just break this down for everyone out there. The Rams have played five games. Four of those games came against the NFC East, who collectively have two wins. So... Do, are the Rams good? Who really fucking knows? They have one loss, and that's to the Bills, and four wins against the East, which everyone has wins against the East. So uh, fuck, go fuck yourself. And it, people are like, "Oh, look at you know, look at this." You, I said I would be tough to get out of the woods. I'm like Rambo up here. You all sent your first wave, and I butchered them. So if you want to come hat in hand and tell me, well, well, you know, he's not, maybe he's not a top 10, but maybe he's like a top 15 guy. Sure, sure. But he has six turnovers in five games and you're not going to win much like that. I will say this. The Titans were down their best defensive player uh, in Jeffrey Simmons last night and their number one corner in Adore Jackson. And they still hold the Bills to 16 points. The Bills were never really threatening in this game. I felt like Ryan Tannehill had complete control of the game from opening whistle to closing whistle. Uh, If you're a Bills fan, I I don't know. I think you have to be concerned with that loss. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I I thought the offensive game plan for the Bills was poor. Uh, I really, really, really thought that uh, the the Titans looked tired early on the defense. Uh, Jadavian Clowney couldn't stay on the field. Constantly was coming over to the sideline, hands on hips, hu- hands on hips, huffing and puffing. Um, I I thought the whole defense looked gassed. I thought that the Titans basically played a cover two defense zone and said, "Okay, try to figure this thing out." Uh, the Bills couldn't. 
Um, I think one of the craziest things I saw the Bills do was continuously run the ball on first down. Uh, Singletary ran the ball 11 times for 25 yards. The Titans were ready for that. The Bills had no answer. They could dink. Yeah, I was and, grinning every single time Singletary got the ball. It was like, yes, feed him more. Feed I thought more for Singletary, please. I'll tell you this: I thought both teams did a real silly thing running the ball as much as they did. The entire Bills secondary was out of the picture. Derrick Henry runs 19 times for 57 yards. He had a crazy stiff arm, crazy stiff arm. His longest run was 12 yards. The, neither team was doing anything on the ground. The truth was, you didn't need to. Both teams' secondaries were mangled. And the best either team decided to do was the Bills being down can basically said, well, fuck it, we'll just run the ball the whole time. And you went, you're down 18 points. Uh, the, 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 this, this sums up the Bills' limitations. You are down three scores. You have two minutes left in the third quarter. You need to get onto the Titans' side of the field before that quarter flips over. And in position to either at worst kick a field goal to cut it to a two-score game or be looking to put together another three, four plays to score a touchdown. What ended up happening was the quarter ran out and the Bills hadn't crossed midfield, which was appalling. You basically were saying that we, we expect ourselves to score more than we have this whole entire game in the fourth quarter and the Titans to score none. Just a crazy fucking execution. What ends up happening? They spend another five minutes. You spend another five time, five minutes running down the field only for Josh Allen to throw a real shitty pick. So after Josh Allen throws that pick, the Titans turn around. Um, Malcolm Butler takes that ball all the way back. And then the, the Titans end up running away with it. So... Ryan Tannehill, I, I just want to give him a quick shout out. 21 for 28, 100 downs, but it was really his contributions on the ground yep. that I think made the difference for them. You, you say Henry had 19 carries for 57 yards. Tannehill right behind him with four carries for 42 yards and a touchdown. I thought he had, he, he was looking very mobile out there and for as much as the announcers love talking about Josh Allen and how he can escape the pocket and Josh Allen just keeps plays with his legs and you know, I thought it was really Ryan Tannehill who was keeping it keeping it alive with his legs and making plays. So I, I feel like he needs to get his respect. Everyone all off season was talking about Ryan Tannehill regressing to the mean and this, that and the other, but I haven't seen any regression yet. Now, uh, they went 6-for-6 six six in the red zone yesterday, which is just crazy. Their, their balance really has teams off guard right now. Uh, Ryan, the, the Bills refuse to contain the edges, and Ryan Tannehill basically, there were times where he would look downfield and there would be no one on the whole side. His longest run of 23 yards um, really just broke the game for them. Every time he ran the ball, it would be a third down that he'd run for 14 yards, and you could just see the Bills breaking. Uh, the game was never really close. Started out with a pick six. The Bills answered, and then the Titans ran away with it. So the Titans now push themselves in the upper echelon of the NFL, and let's go ahead and do it. Why don't you run through real quick and give everyone your top five NFL teams, starting with one. All right, so my number one team, at least the team that I've had on my TV and I've been most impressed with, 
throughout these first five weeks of the season has been Seattle. Um, I, the, the Seattle defense hasn't been impressive to me. I've been on here saying that I don't think that they're even a top 15 unit in the league. However, the offense and Russell Wilson, who I think is the MVP so far, has looked like world beaters. You can't stop the Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf connection right now. And they've got to be number one in my eyes. What do you think? I've got Green Bay. Green Bay is number one for you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not mad at it. But I, why? Uh, they've just been dismantling everyone they've played. Um, and... They're doing it, like, without pieces, and they're just dismantling people. Like, when you look at uh, how many points they're giving up, they might be the best total team. Uh, they're they're giving up 100 points. They've scored 152. Uh, they have a 51-point differential, which, let me do a quick scan, is the best in the NFL. Um, they... See? Oh, hold on. I think your Ravens have a better point differential of 73 right now. Oh, do we? Oh, we do. Holy shit. 73. Jesus. Yikes. Um, so besides <laughs> them, Green Bay is just dominating. And uh, Seattle's defense, to me, is is that kind of defense. They've got this weird feel where they're like, we are good for three plays a game. Three. We will give you three plays. That's it. No more, no less. You will get, and it, it's come in. They did the stop against New England. They get the stop uh, against the Vikings. They really only get you like three plays a game. But since Russell Wilson's playing so well, they just dominate. But uh, my number one is the Green Bay Packers. Right, and so I, I'm going with the Seahawks because they've scored the most points in the league so far, and I don't see it changing. I, they have who I believe is playing like the best quarterback in the league right now. Yep. And, uh, I mean, he's going to have to carry the defense on his back. They've given up 135 points so far in five games. Yep. But so far, he's proven that he can do that. And so if he's going to keep doing that, I'm going to keep him at number one. My number two team is Green Bay. Uh, I don't have Green Bay too far off of where you had them. Uh, I have them at, at my number two team in the league, and I just don't believe in Green Bay in the same way that I believe in the Seahawks. I think with Wilson and Metcalf, like that connection is something that I can count on week in and week out. I know with the Devontae Adams-Rogers connection, it's also very reliable, but Devontae Adams hasn't been there. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I just got to knock them a couple points. I just like the Seahawks better at this point. They're really 1A, 1B in the NFC right now. But um, I got the Packers just a notch below as my number two team. Who do you have number two? Same thing. You, we've just got our top two teams flipped. I don't really think there's a case for any other team being in the top two right now. Um, now, you, you, could knock, uh, you could knock Green Bay for not playing the level of competition that Seattle's played. But... Uh, you know, one, two, got them in the same spot. All right, so I'll move on to my number three team. Might be a little bit of homer play here, a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of bias. I'm going to take my Tennessee Titans as the number three team in the NFL right now. I haven't seen them lose this year. The defense has been producing. They've been getting stops when they need to, and that's without some of the best pieces that we still haven't seen number one corner of Dory Jackson yet this year, and this defense has still been doing its thing. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has been playing like one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, 
since taking over last year. As I said before, it hasn't come back to earth yet. Maybe this is just what he's going to be under Arthur Smith on this version of the Titans. And um, I just I feel good about this team. I'm putting them number three. I got them right now. I think they look like the best team in the AFC, and that is why I have them where I have them. What do you have at three? Yep, I got Titans at three as well. Uh, the only knock, the only direct knock I have on the Titans is with uh, their competition: um, Jacksonville, Minnesota, Denver. Uh, two wins between okay. those teams, okay. and then they play the Bills. The biggest thing that I have that separates it all really is, um, and I, let's take a second to talk about the Titans real quick. Um, how, wh- why, why did the Titans act like they were the victim? <laughs> tell me that tell me the mental gymnastics i don't think we know all the details yeah. i know that you know that everyone's mad at the titans because they had a bunch of players test positive and they they did the secret practice at that wherever that was in tennessee i, I know yeah. i know everyone's mad at them however there's been some talk that I've seen about maybe the, the league and the Titans had a miscommunication, and until I see the league discipline the Titans, I'm going to believe that there was actually a miscommunication, because if this is just the Titans saying, F-U-N-F-L, we're going to do our own thing, I would expect to have seen some discipline. Now, I'll hold off on that statement, because maybe we just haven't seen the discipline yet. But if they were, you know, if they were fucking up to the extent that everyone's saying that they were messing up, then I feel like we're going to see a big discipline come down from the league. So I'm playing the wait and see approach when it comes to the whole COVID thing. Yeah, I think the NFL is waiting to drop it down. I'll tell you this. It is crazy to me uh, to I, I just I love the mental gymnastics you have to put yourself through to say we're the victim here um, when when in fact you did break protocol to hold that practice. That it's like it's you had an outbreak. They said, "Hey, calm it down." You end up getting another game postponed and moved because you have this secret practice and the outbreak continues. And then you go, "I cannot believe some of the things you're saying." I mean, and I'm not saying the Titans are a bad team. I'm not saying we should knock them for it in, in terms of uh, their production. What I'm saying is, uh, I think it's incredible the ability of the human mind to pit yourself into being the victim and i think that comes directly from mike rabel who is a discipline of uh bill belichick who was able to pit himself against everyone at all times no matter how many super bowls they won he always kept everyone feeling like the you know the victim and uh we see that that leadership is carried over to rabel um in the same regard so i i think it's uh i just think it's a really funny bit uh, for the Titans to go about it and say, and, and, you know, every people were saying disrespectful things. And, like, you know, honestly, you got two games moved. You still haven't played the Steelers game that's out there. And, that you know, and having an outbreak, we've seen it in teams with outbreaks. The Patriots had an outbreak. They didn't have uh, they didn't have Cam Newton. They had to play the Kansas City Chiefs on a weird schedule. Uh, team, and, and they followed the rules to get back on track. This, to me, was just a, a funny little thing. And, and we both have the Titans at number three, so I thought it was a little bit of a detour. Um, I'll just say this, though, before we move on. Uh, I don't think anyone had the Titans. Well, anyone except for you. I don't think anyone had the Titans winning that game last night. And so I didn't mind some of the nobody believed in us talk yeah. that I heard after the game last night because, honestly, I didn't even really believe in them that much either. <laughs> so um, 
to a certain extent, you, you, they shouldn't be acting like the victims when it comes to COVID. But I'm not mad at them acting like underdogs last night because I don't think anyone really thought that they were going to win that game. Yeah, I mean that you can say that Vegas had it as a three pointer, so it's uh you're basically saying that they think the Bills are about a touchdown better. Uh, most games ended about four to six, so I, I don't know. I thought the Titans would win this game pretty handily. Um, I thought that they would cover almost the over, uh, and that the, the Bills would just have to get a little bit going. I didn't expect the Bills to be so lackluster, but that's all due to Tennessee. Tennessee played a good game, uh, even without getting really any pass rush whatsoever. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway as a Bills fan. You couldn't get the run run game going, um, and the Titans shut that down. Uh, the Titans, I thought the Titans would implement a defense very similar to how they deal with Lamar. I think that the, <clears throat> that would be how they attacked Josh Allen and his dual threat. They did. They kept everything in front of them, and that was the end of the ball game. Yeah, there were a couple times early there where they struggled to tackle Josh Allen on some of those scrambles. I felt like the Titans probably left a good three or four sacks on the table. Yep. That's something that they need to clean up as the season goes on because I've seen that almost every week so far where they're leaving sacks on the table just from poor tackling. Like, like they're getting there. They're just not finishing the job. So yeah. uh, that's something that I'm keeping an eye on going forward. But let's move on to the number four team in my top five. Uh, the, with my number four team, I got a toss-up here. My four and five are KC and Baltimore. They're, they're kind of interchangeable for me. I feel the same way about both teams. Both have amazing offenses. I put the Ravens above the Chiefs so far this season because I've seen the Ravens do it on defense as well. Yeah. Where I haven't seen Kansas City do it. Uh, I believe the Ravens have given up the least amount of points in the AFC so far this season. Let me stat check myself. Yes, that is correct. They've given up the least amount of points in the AFC this season by a good number as well yep. with 76. Uh, so I, I have the Ravens slightly ahead of the Chiefs at this point. Um, and maybe that's just recency bias because I just saw the Chiefs get 40 hung on them by the Raiders. So, yeah, I have Ravens and then Chiefs to round out my top five. I've got the same. I got Chiefs ahead of the Ravens because they beat the Ravens and they continue to beat the Ravens. So, We'll, we'll really see what comes of that. Uh, I don't. I think that Kansas City has bigger problems than the Ravens. Uh, I think the Ravens can sort their things out. The Ravens are starting to have some issues on offense, which um, really Greg Roman needs to adapt. Uh, he has a ferocious run game plan, but his, uh, his passing game concepts have always been lacking. They continue to be lacking. They really need to really need to tighten that up. Um, and, Can and, I ask you a question going off of what you just said there? Yeah. So I've been watching I've been watching a little Ravens to start off my mornings, especially since the Titans haven't been playing the last couple of weeks. And I'm noticing with the Ravens, there have been a couple of times now on some drives where the Ravens they'll stall out on the on the opponents, let's say thirty or the twenty five, right? It'll be fourth and two or three. And I feel like last year I saw them go for it very often in those situations and this in the last couple weeks, I've seen them kicking field goals a lot in those situations. What's the difference? What's going on with that? I don't really know. There's a lot of weird things. Uh, in the first week against Cleveland, even though we smoked them, I was like, you know, this offense doesn't look right. Uh, we then played Houston, and we kicked a lot of field goals. We beat the shit out of them. And I went, you know, this offense, there's something weird about it. It is not clicking. And Kansas City, everything fell apart. You know, the, the truth is this team's having trouble throwing the ball. 
Um, I and, and the only time we we complete passes really is when Lamar has like a crazy good throw. Like, uh, and not saying that he doesn't miss people. Everyone has incompletions, but. Uh, I'm not seeing wide receivers open. I'm not seeing them move the pocket the way they should. I think Greg Roman's getting a little stuck. I want to see how Greg Roman adapts, and that's what I've been talking about. Um, This offense is still putting up points, but not nearly at the rate they should be or did last year. So I really got to see where he turns the corner and what what adjustments we make. Because... I think the defense is ferocious, and I'll tell you what, I think the Ravens are going to be in play uh, during this trade deadline. I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and try to pick up a big wide receiver from a failing team or pick up a pass rusher from a failing team. Uh, someone like Ryan Kerrigan maybe from Washington. Uh, or, you know, I, I don't I don't know what the going rate is for these uh, players on, you know, you're picking up their current contract. But I think there are a lot of teams out there that have some talent on offense or defense that the Ravens are probably going to be hovering around on. Um, you know, I have a I have a fever dream that JJ Watt could end up in in purple, but uh, you know that's oh, uh, that's okay. me. You know, I, if I have my goodie bag wish list, the Ravens go out and knock on Atlanta's door and ask what they want for Julio Jones. Uh, they go and they ask what do they want for JJ Watt. They ask the the cheap one is asking what Washington wants for Ryan Kerrigan. Can I throw something crazy out there? Yeah. How do you feel if the Ravens give up or give a call to your boy Antonio Brown? Uh, I don't. I, I'm. Would you uh, for a minimum minimum contract? Yeah. Not guaranteed. You could cut him if he starts messing up. How would you feel about it? Yeah. Here's my problem. My the offense already is pretty rocky. Um, I'm worried about adding anything else into that that may be volatile. If the offense was humming along and we were looking to get better, that would be a move I'd want. Um, and I'm not saying it's out of the picture. I just would like someone that could probably provide more veteran leadership. And I don't okay. think Antonio Brown has any single shred of that. No, no, you're not getting veteran leadership from Antonio Brown. Right. You're just getting numbers. That's it. Yeah, and I need I need some leadership. Here's one of the big problems the Ravens are facing. Um. Who's the leader on offense? It's Lamar. Lamar's third year. We're in his third year. Okay, uh, how about, uh, you know, um, the next, you know, our left tackle was drafted right before Lamar. Our right tackle was drafted after. Most of the interior line was drafted at or after. The oldest wide receiver we have is Willie Sneed, who's a... You know, fourth-string guy, Marquise Brown recently drafted. Mark Andrews recently drafted. The offense is so freaking young, it's crazy. So they're having some trouble maturing. I would like an elder statesman in the locker room. Look over at the defense. Marcus Peters and Calais Campbell are your oldest vets. They're not Ravens draftees. Your Ravens draftees, Patrick Queen, who defensive player of the year this week, um, Marlon Humphrey, who's making a case for a defensive player of the year. Uh, these are all young guys on their first or, you know, just starting their second contract. The thing that I look for is some veteran leadership on the offense to kind of round them together. You did have Yonda, who was a quiet voice, a Hall of Fame guard. Uh, he retires. So for the Ravens, really, for me, it's uh, this is an extremely young offense. I, I, cannot, I don't think there's a team in the NFL that has a younger core. Uh, when you break it down, I think that's one of the the biggest things we you know you would look for. Um, the Chiefs are close on offense. Clyde Edwards-Helaire being a rookie, 
um, Patrick Mahomes, but he's on his second contract now. He's still, what, three years older than uh, Lamar Jackson. Tyreek Hill's into his second contract. Travis Kelsey, same thing. So, you know, this is still just a very young team that really could use some veteran leadership. Somewhere our left tackle's not on his second deal. You know, there's just no elder statesman on the offense to be like, hey, guys, this is how you operate. This is this is the attitude we need to have. You know, we had that with Yonda with a lunch pail worker. Um, we really lack that on offense now, someone to kind of steer the ship uh, in terms of maturity. They're just, you know... It's a bunch of 23-year-olds. That's that's tough. That's a tough world. Uh, I remember where I was at 23, and uh, it, it's it's just a tough time to navigate when you're that young. So, I, I would like to see how this is going to play out over the season. I, I really want to see what Lamar Jackson – I, I, I kind of wish – I don't wish that I could fast forward to the playoffs, yeah. but I kind of wish I could just get a little sneak peek and see what's going to be happening at that time because I feel like we're in for a good one. I think the Ravens are going to continue. When I look around the NFL, I think a lot of teams are who they are. Um, Kansas City is who they are. Uh, Tennessee, you guys have been the same team for since Tannehill came in. Um, Pittsburgh, you know what you're getting with Pittsburgh. Cleveland, that you know, I think the the Ravens are a team that still has another facet, another corner to turn because of how young they are collectively, uh, and it it just takes time and game reps. So. Um, I, I, you know, I am interested to see how this season goes as well. I think that those are are, are the big the big points when we look at this top five. Uh, I, I think out of all of them, the team that could make the biggest stride still is the Ravens. I do want to give honorable mention to my number six team, which would be Pittsburgh. Yeah. I kind of felt bad leaving Pittsburgh out of my top five, given that they haven't lost a game yet this season. Nope. Um, they look good. They look yep. and they've been dealing with injuries in almost every game. Deontay Johnson's gotten knocked out of a couple games already. Um, James Conner had some injury problems, and so they, you know, they've been dealing with injuries in almost every game so far, and they've still found a way to win. Ben looks like he's back to normal. He's tossing that ball all over the yard. Chase Claypool last game with four touchdowns. It looks like the Steelers might have found another receiver. Yep, they they, they look good. And yeah. They, they're scary. Pittsburgh's one of those teams that always scares me. Like when yeah. when Pittsburgh is good, I have a little bit of fear of them. Yeah, consistently. They're an iron head team. Here's their next three games: Cleveland, Tennessee, Baltimore. We, the, a lot in the AFC is just going to be decided in that three week stretch. So, um, and we talk about the that's, top that's a tough stretch. That's a tough stretch. We talk about the top teams in the NFL. Um, so uh, we now have to turn and talk about the bottom teams in the NFL. I think we're universal across the board. The worst team in the NFL by a mile and a half. I think we can lump the top two. We're both in New York, and it's the New York Jets and the New York Giants. The Jets being the worst team in the NFL. The Giants being close behind them. Um, I think we're both aligned there. Yeah, I have nothing to add on the Jets and the Giants. The New York teams are easily the worst, in my opinion. Uh, and I don't have a close third. I guess the Falcons would have to be close given that they haven't won a game yet, but I've at least seen some stuff that make me think, okay, Atlanta, like there's something there. When I watch the Jets and the Giants, I don't think anything's there. I I actually would like to change the channel on my TV anytime they're on them. Yeah, and the big thing is this. uh, The Atlanta Falcons had opportunities to win games. Neither of the other teams have. Uh, with the Jets, the Jets released Le'Veon Bell, perhaps the worst, worst, worst 
uh, signing in recent memory. Uh, that yielded absolutely nothing for the Jets. Adam Gase hated it from the get-go and never, ever, ever attempted to use Le'Veon Bell in any discernible way. Um, I will say this. I don't believe that running backs add a ton of value. I just don't. So uh, a lot of people are going, Do you think oh. Le'Veon Bell is done? Or do you think that Adam Gase just didn't know how to put him in position to succeed? I don't think it matters. I think that running – I think when you look around the NFL – and you look at when quarter when running backs go down, it's very rare that that cripples your team. Um, the you know the Panthers are three and zero without Christian McCaffrey. So no, the reason I ask is because Le'Veon Bell is going to sign somewhere. Yeah. So if it's not done and he goes somewhere where they're going to use him the right way and you know and they have the offensive line to support him, then that could be a big signing. Yeah, I think that. I really think he'll end up in, uh, I think he could end up, <laughs> it would be funny. Well, England but, makes the most sense to me. What about the Giants, as crazy as that fucking sounds? What if the Giants go, hey, we lost Saquon for the year, we'll sign you for the rest of the year, you'll be our bell cow, we'll get your numbers back up. I think New England makes some sense for him, but uh, I don't know. I think the Giants could be in play, as weird as that fucking sounds. Um, I, I don't. I don't really know. He's only IR, isn't he? Can't come back for two weeks. So, no, he he played last week or this week. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's right. He was earlier in the year. He went on for the hamstring. So, um, right. he's first game back last week. He didn't have a great game. No, but... no one does playing for the Jets. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I think there are a lot of teams that could use the Bucks. Um, they, they just lost, you know, the Bucks, um, the Giants. It depends on kind of where he wants to go. He's going to have, I think, four or five teams are going to be ready to sign him. So it's just going to be, and he's getting plenty of money from the uh, Jets. So if I'm Le'Veon Bell and I got to sign somewhere for the rest of the season, I'm signing somewhere where there's some eyes. You know, and that's probably why I'm not signing with the Giants because yeah. who's going to be watching Giants football except for Giants fans? I don't really know where I do sign if I'm. Maybe what about the Bears? I mean, like David Montgomery yeah. isn't anything to write home about. You know, I maybe if I'm the Bears, I look into signing him. Yeah. Maybe I, if Christian McCaffrey isn't looking so good, maybe Carolina. Carolina. There's a lot of options. I think Bell's going to get. That's just saying Bell's going to get his pick of the litter, and, and he's going to kind of get to choose where he goes. Ooh. I would like Arizona, actually. Kenyon Drake hasn't been doing anything over there. Now, uh, the reason I, I don't like anyone in Arizona, I'm going to be honest with you, they're one of the teams that I'm fading down this stretch. Uh, they just lost. Oh, you're off of Arizona. You're done with them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, big duns. Uh, they just lost Chandler Jones. This was a defense with like four or five decent pieces. Patrick Peterson, Chandler Jones, Buda Baker. These are the three big pieces they had, kind of one at each level. Um, Buda Baker's been hurt. Um, Chandler Jones is out now. They have no discernible pass rush whatsoever. Uh, they have Patrick Peterson, who's been up and down the last couple of years. I don't see. I I've been watching Kyler Murray struggle repeatedly, um, and I don't know if that's going to get any better when the other team just can do whatever they want on offense. I think this Arizona team might be in a little bit of trouble for the rest of the year. Okay. I was optimistic about Arizona, and I'm not ready to jump off of the hype train. Yeah. But I definitely have my bags in my hand, and, and I'm looking at the next stop, trying to see if, if maybe I'm going to get off. Yeah. I'm not yet, though. So let's round out our bottom five. I have Atlanta as my third worst team, fourth worst team, Jacksonville, and then my fifth worst team is Washington. How do you differ? 
Uh, I also have Washington, but I have the Lions in my bottom five. Mm, okay. And uh, to put it simply, I just haven't seen anything inspiring from the Lions. They've only scored 99 points this this year so yeah. far, which is third worst behind Washington and the Giants. Not a conversation that you want to be in. Um, and that pretty much sums up the whole thing. I, I, Stafford, I like Stafford. I like Galladay, but they haven't done much of anything on offense this year. And I can't get behind that, especially not when you're playing in a division with the Packers, the Vikings, even though they're one and four, and the four and one Bears. Like that's not going to get it done. Yeah, you got to score points if you're going to be giving them up. Yeah, I don't. I... I, if you say hey, the Lions are the worst team in the NFL, uh, the Jets would be my only rebuttal. The Lions have been bad for so long that it's hard to argue anything other than this team sucks. So, um, you know, their one win this year was Arizona, which kind of keeps them off the board for me. I moved Jacksonville in, in that place, although Jacksonville beat the Colts. Both kind of weird games, but I, I'm, I, I just... There's like seven teams in the NFL right now that I could put in one lump sum that I go... They suck. Like, give me two words to describe them. They suck. And, and it's like seven teams. Uh, and, and I don't really see it getting better for any of them. There are going to be a lot of teams fighting for who's going to win their first game. And we might head into, think about this, we might end up in like week nine with, when are the Jets going to get a win? You know? When, when, when is Atlanta going to get a win? When are the Giants going to get a win? Uh, these three teams you could see go for a while without a win, and that would be that would be a scary proposition. If Atlanta doesn't win this weekend um, and they're going up against uh, Minnesota, who's also struggling, then they get Detroit, Carolina, Denver. You don't make it through that stretch. You don't win a game this year. After that stretch, here's who Atlanta rounds their season out with. Saints. Raiders, Saints, Chargers, Bucks, Kansas City, Bucks. You are going 0 and 8 down that stretch. 0 and 7 down that stretch. You need a win against Minnesota, Detroit, or Denver. Carolina already whipped you once. You're not coming back on that. So you got to beat Denver, Detroit, or Minnesota. Those are your three. You don't win any of those three. You don't win a game this year. You go 0 and 16. But you look at the Jets, and I go, the Jets don't have anyone on their schedule they can beat either. What in the fuck happens when we have two teams this year that don't have any fucking wins? <laughs> I don't know. How do you decide the number one? What's the tiebreaker if you have two 0 and 16 teams? You know, honestly, you make them both play, and whoever wins gets the top seed. The loser gets. That would be an interesting way to decide the number one pick. I'd be down for that. That would get ratings for sure. Yeah, I go, hey, you both suck. Toilet bowl? Yeah, toilet bowl. Here's who the Jets play Miami this week, Buffalo, Kansas City, New England, Chargers, Miami, Raiders, Seattle, Rams, Browns, New England. That's an. This is an 0 16 slate. Uh, I mean, just to put in perspective how they've been beat this year. They got beat by 10 by the Bills. They get massacred by the San Francisco 49ers. They get massacred by the Colts. They get whipped by 9 by Denver. And then they get throunced by 20 yesterday. They're going to play Miami, Buffalo, Kansas City. This is going to be... This is going to be... And they just got rid of their, their most talented offensive player. Joe Flacco's taking starts. Holy shit. This is going to be such a landslide of a year. Uh, yeah, looking at it now, I, I don't think that there's any way that Atlanta finishes with a worse record than the Jets. Yeah. 
the Atlanta's they're at least going to outscore the Lions. You can tie. You can tie. You can tie at 16-0. And then here, look, here's another team, the New York Football Giants, okay? Here's their schedule. Luckily, they play in the East. So maybe they can squeeze out another win against these turds. But outside of the East, which they're going to play Washington twice and Philly twice, they get Cincinnati. There is going to their end of their year is such a blood. It's the final five, uh, just for everyone gambling out there. Uh, here's going to be some easy spreads for you. The last five games of the year, the Giants play Seattle, Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore, Dallas. Um, there's going to be bet against them every game. Bet against them almost every fucking game. This is going to be so fucking ugly. The Giants, the the Giants have no real shot. They could probably go two and fourteen, but. We may be looking at Atlanta and the Jets both being fucking winless. That's so crazy. I, 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 I'm staring at this. The Jets are the first team to lose five games in a row by more than not nine or more points. Like, this is a team, and they and just to give you an idea, that was now, now they lose their starting running back, and they don't have their starting quarterback because he's got an arm injury. You, you, you are a team that is continuously getting worse and worse. I have no clue how. I guess you don't fire Adam Gase because you're just like this whole season's fucking over, and we're we're just gonna let we're just gonna tank for Lawrence. Like that's the Maybe thing. Maybe the best way to get the number one pick is to let Gase keep the job. No, it is. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. If if your entire goal was to get to the uh, get the number one pick, then they're doing everything perfectly. They're doing everything unbelievably perfectly. So. Um, let, let's flip into something else. Let's flip into two dark horse teams that we're keeping an eye on. Um, let me let me start with uh, my team. My favorite dark horse team right now is the Las Vegas Raiders, and I've been on them for a little while. Uh, I, I took them back when they played New Orleans to beat New Orleans, um, and I love what John Gruden is doing. John Gruden is a football guy. Uh, they've struggled at times. They're getting healthier. This is a team that's actually getting healthier. And I don't know if there's a team in the NFL with three better wins. Do you know who the Raiders have beaten? They have three wins this year. Who are their three? Uh, they definitely beat the Chiefs because I just saw it happen. Yep. Uh, I remember with the they Chiefs. opened this season against the Panthers with a win. Yep. Who was the third win? I just mentioned Tell them. me because I don't, I don't remember. New Orleans. So okay. they have they have beaten New Orleans, the Panthers, and Kansas City, and they beat Kansas City by two scores. This is a this team. I don't know if anyone has three better wins. Kansas City has good wins, but their win against New England came without Cam Newton, so it does not count the same way. This Raiders team has actually done really well. Do you know who their two losses are against? It was the Bills and New England. They, they, they've played a murderer's row. The Carolina Panthers are 3-2. and two. So they've beaten the Panthers. They beat the Saints. They, they lose to New England in a game where they were real banged up, and, and that was a game Bill Belichick took complete control over. The Buffalo game was a one-score game. They beat Kansas City by eight. This is a team, if you're gambling, they ha- they're on a bye week this week, so they're going to come out super fucking, super fucking ready. Uh, the week after against Tampa Bay. This is a team where uh, they have played probably the toughest five teams in the NFL to open their schedule. And they are staring at a potential playoff berth. And and look, Carolina, New Orleans, New England, Buffalo, Kansas City. 
Kansas City one loss, Buffalo one loss, New England has two losses, uh, New Orleans has two losses, Carolina has two losses. No one, no one, no one has a schedule tougher than that. And they've managed to navigate it. Now coming up, they're going to get Tampa Bay, Cleveland, Chargers, Denver, they get Kansas City again, and then this is where they kind of get a run stretch home. Jets, Indy, Chargers again, Miami, Denver. This is a team that could rattle off 10 total wins. Uh, you've already played kind of the best teams in every division, the uh, best teams in AFC, NFC. I love the Raiders going forward. Um, I was big on them. Uh, I've, I've always loved the Raiders. i got a soft spot in my heart for them. Uh, this is a team that I believe will make a playoff push, and do not be surprised if they win a playoff game the way they're playing right now. The end of that schedule is so soft. Yeah. It's so soft. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, the, it, looking at their full schedule right now, probably for the first time, I don't think I've looked at their schedule until now, it looks like the front side of their schedule is the toughest part, and they're 3-2 and two right now. Yep. Uh, that second half of the season looks really good. I mean, even before you get to that last stretch of games, you still got a game against the Chargers and the Broncos which should both be pretty winnable. Yep. Uh, yeah, uh, we got to keep an eye on the Raiders going forward, which is something that I didn't think that we would be saying before the season started. Yeah, I, I'll give everyone... It's good. I'll, well, Derek Carr pushing the ball. Yeah, it's John Gruden. John Gruden, I, 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 I can only imagine that John Gruden shook Derek Carr down in a dark alley dressed as someone else and said, you're either going to throw the ball deep when the wide receiver's wide open, or I'm going to shoot well, you in the head. He, John, there have been, I've been complaining about this for weeks, that Derek Carr has had wide receivers wide open downfield and refuses to get them the ball. We see one game in, he decides to throw that deep ball. It's open nonstop because of the, their offense is very dynamic, and, and they get a run for it. So, um I think that the Raiders play their toughest part of their schedule. As long as they don't get uh, destroyed by um, destroyed by injuries, uh, this is a team that's going to wreak havoc. If you can beat Kansas City 40, by eight points, if you can beat up New Orleans by ten, uh, you're a team that everyone should reckon with. Um, and th- and they're going to come out of their bye for Tampa Bay. And I'm going to tell you this: I'm going to be taking the 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 Tampa Bay Bucks are probably going to be a four four and a half point favorite. I will be taking the Raiders on the money line, and I won't even question it. It'll be a steal of the week. Do the Raiders have a chance to win the AFC West? Yes. Yes, unequivocally, yes. Uh, okay. You you beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Of course you do. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the end of it. There, it's a division game, and you beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. It wasn't in Vegas. You beat the Chiefs in their hometown. And and look, it, that 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 first five games is so fucking tough. Uh, the Panthers look like look uh, right now. If you if I think the Panthers might be the best team in the NFC South. Hey, we definitely didn't see the Panthers no, coming. Not at all. All the props to Matt Rule. All of them. Matt Rule has done such a great job that he's blindsided everything. But look, uh, when you give me empirical evidence that makes me change my mind, I change my mind. That's why I do really well when it comes to gambling. I don't harp on things. The reason why I don't like Josh fucking Allen and the reason why I didn't change my mind after four games is he still made the stupid decisions that made me hate him. He didn't clean any of them up. So, yeah, his arm got better, his accuracy got better. I, I don't know if that's fluky or if that's going to continue. As we saw last night, it can just go away. 
Um, the, the Raiders have given me five fucking grueling games where they've been, they've won three of them against three of the, three, three right now, Kansas City, number one team in the NF, uh, NFC. The Saints are, you know, in the top four in the NFC. And, and, and the Panthers are going to be a playoff team as well. So they've beaten three playoff teams and lost to two other playoff teams. This is what it looks like when you're in the mix. So I'm all over the, uh, the Raiders. Uh, give me your, give me a dark horse that you're looking at. Well, I, I think we need to keep it going with Carolina. Yeah, I, I think that you hit I'm on aligned. it before. Matt Rule is looking great. Um, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater, before the yep. season, we said we wanted to see what he looked like in his own offense. Is the first time he's had his own team since the early Vikings days, and he looks good out there. He's, he's slaying in the rock. Robbie Anderson is suddenly the top 10 NFL receiver, Yep. Uh, which doesn't make sense to me, but hey, shout out Robbie Anderson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's another one of those teams where their two losses are the teams where you say, okay, like this, the two losses aren't unreasonable. They nope. lose to a Raiders team that we now think looks pretty good. And then they lose to a Bucks team uh, who we also think is going to be in the playoffs. Yep. So they start their season 0-2, first two games in a brand new offense. They lose their best player in Christian McCaffrey. And then they turn around and win three straight. Yeah. Now, the three straight is against the Chargers, the Cardinals, and the Falcons. So, I mean, we can't exactly throw a parade for those three wins. However, three wins are three wins in the NFL. I yep. don't care how you get them. So, this team's sitting here at three and two. Uh, there's a lot that a, a lot of talk about how the Atlanta offense looks good, but how the Atlanta defense looks so bad. This Carolina team has scored the exact amount of points as the Atlanta offense has. Yep. So, you know, for for as good as we say that Atlanta can score, Carolina's right there with them, um, and they do it with a better defense. So I think that we're going to find out a lot about Carolina in the next four weeks. They got yes. the Bears, they go to New Orleans, then they get the Falcons again, but then they go to Kansas City. Yep. So in that stretch, we're going to find out if the Carolina Panthers are for real this season or if they're just, you know, a cute story that we need to keep an eye on going into next season. But at Carolina, surprise team to me. Yep. What do you? So they're my second surprise team that I had. Now here's the problem with Carolina. I think they could make it in if eight and eight makes it in. Unfortunately, with Carolina, is this is a murderer's row. It's not just your division; it's who you're playing outside of your division. You're going to get the Chicago. Their next five, like you said, Chicago, New Orleans, Atlanta, Kansas City. But that fifth one's back for Tampa Bay. They're then going to lighten up a little bit and get Detroit and Minnesota heading into a bye. The problem is they're going to have to play Green Bay and New Orleans in the final four games. Um, they will get Washington and Denver in between, so they could get something going there. This is a team to me that's going to teeter-totter their whole second half of their season. So 9-7, and 8-8, eight and, eight. And, and I think a pl- playoff berth is not out of line. What Matt Rule's done with this team shows you exactly what you can do with a competent head coach. Um, I don't understand how you could look at someone like Matt Rule and hold on to your shitty coach. Go find someone who has good control of, of a team, as an offense, of a defense, uh, who's a leader amongst men. Um, you can find them. They're out there. Just don't be afraid to go looking. Uh, this this uh, Panthers team I thought could get washed, um, and they started that way, but they immediately rounded things out, beating the Chargers. Really, the one that the one that stuck out to me was when they beat Arizona. That's big. 
because at the end of the year, if you're eight and eight and nine and seven, you're going to have the tiebreaker. Uh, the thing that they're collecting now is tiebreakers. If you beat Chicago and Arizona, you're probably going to look at having two of the tiebreakers for the wild card spot. So it's it's pretty important um, to win one of those two games. Uh, and and I think that you know they already have one. They need one more with Chicago. So any other dark horses we should watch out for? Uh, no, I, the only other team that you know that we didn't talk about in depth that I wanted to shout out was a team that we we did talk about briefly is the Steelers. Uh, yep. Every time I see the Steelers, I get a little scared. I can't call them a dark horse because they're four and zero and they're the Steelers. But every time I see a good Pittsburgh team, I don't know. I feel like Mike Tomlin. Every couple years, he's got that team ready to roll, and on those years, they just scare me. They just, and maybe it's because the Titans don't have a good history against Pittsburgh. Historically, we lose to Pittsburgh damn near every time we play them. Yep. But a good Pittsburgh team just scares me. Yeah. Uh, you know, as being an NFC North rival of them for so long, we're past. Uh, I'm past that. Because uh, <laughs> it's just you fight them twice a year. You get past, like, uh, you know, what they're capable of. You know what it is. You recognize it. Um, and, and you just comes down to who can execute more on game day. So, uh, for me, I've got a kind of a different feel. Let's uh, let's round out today with a look forward onto this upcoming slate and talk about the marquee games. Uh, the first game we have that's marquee, we talk about the Steelers. The 4-0 Steelers play the 4-1 Browns. Um, I believe this is in Heinz Field. Yep, it's in Pittsburgh. Uh, the Steelers are minus three and a half. The over is 51. I'm going to let everyone in on a little secret. I believe that Baker Mayfield is hurt. He got hurt at the end of his last game. I think that's going to dramatically, dramatically impact what they want to do on offense. They yeah, he looked in rough shape down that game. He took, I think, two big hits to that arm or ribs or whatever. It was the it was. arm. It didn't look good. And the Steelers have a top five pass rush in the NFL. Now, the Steelers are weak in their secondary, but it doesn't matter. The Baker's not going to be able to get the ball to them. I really think that the Steelers could control this game from the onset. Uh, this is this is the last time they've played since the uh, Miles Garrett incident. Um, so they there's a lot of bad blood between them. That's great. Uh, have at it. I hope they kill each other. Um but I, I like the Steelers minus three and a half. I don't know how Baker Mayfield is going to do without that arm. Uh, and I don't see the Browns defense as someone that can stand the Steelers up. I think this is the game the Steelers could handle mentally uh, and execute. And I think the Steelers, could, I really think the Steelers have a better chance of winning this game by 10 plus than losing this game. And I know Vegas has it at three and a half, but I think an injured arm is going to hurt the output of the Browns offense. And, and I like the Steelers minus three and a half. So I said last week that that game against mm -hmm. Indy, the Browns Indy game was going to be a kind of the barometer for me and yeah. how I look at the Browns going forward and the Browns look great. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. They look great. They frustrated Phillip rivers all day. Uh, they made, they forced him into mistake after mistake. On the other side of the ball, Baker Mayfield was doing an excellent job working off of play action, getting Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry involved. Probably could have had an even bigger day than he had. I saw Jarvis Landry drop at least three balls that were going for 10-plus yards. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, the, the Browns look good. But as I was just stating before, with the Steelers, it's different. 
you know, when, when Big Ben's rolling back there, this pass rush, as you said, has been one of the top in the league. And with Baker's injury, I don't know how serious it is. Like you say, at the end of last game, it didn't look good. He was favoring his side yep. or his arm uh, pretty consistently to end the game. So this is one of those games where I expect Pittsburgh to come out and, and hammer them. I, I expect them to hammer the Browns on Sunday. Uh, I, I'm thinking maybe a two-score win. Uh, and that's just because I think that when it comes to these divisional games, I don't think you catch teams by surprise. Like, yes, the NFL might be surprised that the Cleveland Browns are this good. The Pittsburgh Steelers know exactly what's going on in Cleveland, though. Yep. And it, so, you know, for that reason, I'm going to take the team that I think is quarterback by the better quarterback. I'm going to roll with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I like that minus three and a half. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I think that's where I'm going to make some money, probably put them in a parlay. Um the next game on my docket that we've got, and look, I think all the market, it's so funny to me, all the marquee matchups, really, uh, I feel pretty confident where I'm going. Uh, the Packers take on the Bucks, and for some godforsaken reason, someone watched the Bucks lose to the Bears and turned around and said the Packers should be getting, should, should only give up two points. Um, wow. Uh, what the fuck am I missing? Um, give me the Packers minus. If the Packers were minus like seven, that's where I'd be like, ah, God, a touchdown. Okay. Well, let me tell you this. I think the Packers beat the Buccaneers again by 10 plus. I don't think this game's going to be fucking close. I think the Packers, besides Seahawks, are the best two teams in the NFC. And I don't think there's a close third. I don't. I think that the Saints, the Bucks, all these other ragtag, misfortunate sons are going to get whipped by the younger Aaron Rodgers and younger Russell Wilson. And if I can get a matchup against them, I'm taking it every day of the week. Buccaneers plus two. I, I must be missing something. I'm going to have to do a little bit of a deep dive on it. But I don't understand it. The Bucks are three and two. They've struggled in games mightily offensively, mightily defensively, and you're going to turn around a team that is humming on all cylinders. The, the Packers have been handling people without Devontae Adams uh, and without Adam Lazard, who's a nobody, but he's just another jag. But that's just the way it works. And they're going to get them back. They basically said we didn't need them last week. Like, We're hold gonna... on, hold on. I got to call timeout on something you just said. What? I mean, the Bucks' offense, it might not be, you know, elite of the elite, but they're fifth in the NFC in scoring right now. It's not like they're not putting up points at all. No, but they're fifth. I mean, it's just, like I said, to me, there's a huge drop-off between one and two. So, and, and I'm not talking strictly offense, but the Green Bay Packers have a better offense, and they're equally banged up. I don't know how Tampa Bay lost Vita Vey in the middle of their defense, which is a huge blow. They are going to not be able to stop Adam Jones after losing him. Sue now has to take over that main front, and he hasn't been the same player he was when his younger side of his career, and obviously that happens with age. But I don't yeah, that Vita Vey injury is gonna be huge. 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 And now here comes, in my opinion, the most balanced offense in the NFL. With Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball, with Adam Jones running the ball, Aaron Jones, they are, I just think they're an unstoppable force. And I, I think they've pretty much bent, have they played a game where they were going into the fourth quarter scared? Like, they, they give up points in the fourth and people make the games look closer than they are. The Green Bay Packers are mauling people. They have a 51-point differential, scored 152 points, given up 101. Uh, and, and, and that's against decent competition 
Um, it's, they haven't. They've played some scrubs, but they they've whipped up on everyone they face. I think they continue to whip up uh, on the Tampa Bay Bucks. And and what they're coming off a bye week now, so you're getting Aaron Rodgers. They whipped up on Atlanta, sat everyone that was injured to get a bye week, and now they're going to turn around and play Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, minus two. That's that. Thank you, thank you for not even making it a field goal. Thank you. Uh, you know, Vegas, if you get me on this one, uh, I, I, I'll be shocked. But I see a sloppy, unorganized team in Tampa Bay. They consistently have shitty penalties. Uh, and I see a disciplined, well-put-together, organized killing machine in the Packers. So give me the Packers. I might, I might, <laughs> there's going to be a real sickness in me this weekend. Uh, I am on fire, and I may be taking the Packers with uh, on a parlay with a, a line of minus seven. I, I may tease their own lineup and throw a parlay on it because uh, I'm loving what I'm seeing this weekend slate. These big matchups, I don't think they're that close. I think this is going to be a shit kicking. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, To be honest, this matchup is one that I'm excited to watch as a fan. Uh, But, you know, for my money, that minus two and a half looks great. Uh, You pretty much said everything that I, you know, that I could even think of on this matchup. But Minus two and a half for the four and Packers who have looked like a top three team in yeah. the league. Uh, I'm I'm gonna be on that one. How many uh, interceptions does Rodgers have this year? Zero. Zero. Do you know how crazy that guy is? The guy doesn't throw <laughs> picks. He doesn't throw picks. Meanwhile, Tom Brady's got like three pick sixes. Here's the other thing. It's not like Rodgers doesn't even really throw balls that you you think sh- could be picks or should be. Picks. I know. Some quarterbacks that throw a few balls that don't get picked that you go, eh, you, you probably should have gotten picked there. Like, Allen threw probably, like, right. four last night where yep. I said, eh, that should have been a pick. Yes. You don't see that ever there. And here's some of Aaron Rodgers' stats. These are – this is so crazy. <laughs> he throws for uh, – what does he got? 1,200 yards on the year, 13 touchdowns. Uh, he's completing 70% of his passes. Uh, zero picks. Um – He's taken three sacks. You're not beating them. <laughs> You're just not. Game over. We sent each other MVP rankings earlier this morning, yeah. and the the Aaron Rodgers off of my top five was a complete oversight. Yeah, and I feel terrible about it. Yeah, I I almost called it out. I was like, I'll wait to see what he says because I was like, Aaron Rodgers' numbers are like Looney Tune numbers. You're like, oh, you're going to finish the year with 5,000 yards, uh, 52 touchdowns, and zero picks? Okay. <laughs> sure you are, Aaron. Like, holy shit, man. Like, yeah, no, he's ridiculous. Fuck? It's ridiculous. All right, let's flip to the last marquee game of the weekend. Um, this is a revenge game in terms of making up for being a doo-doo caca pile. The uh, Chiefs play the Bills on a delicious, delicious, marvelous 5 o'clock Monday game. Uh, the spread is Bills plus three and a half. The over under is set at close to a billion. It's 57 and a half. And um, I'm going to keep an eye on Tredavious White to see if he's going to play, but that over ain't enough. If the Kansas City Chiefs had won last week and the Bills had lost, I'd be going, oh man, you know, maybe the Bills want to do a bounce back game. But let's be honest, this is a bounce back game for both teams, right? Chiefs lose a division game, Bills get humiliated on a Tuesday night football game. Bills plus three and a half. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do here. I'm gonna take Kansas City to win this game, and I'm gonna take the over at fifty seven and a half. 
those are probably two good bets. This one I'm going to stay away from. I'm not putting any money on this one personally because of what you just said. Both of these teams are pissed off. Yep. Both of these teams got embarrassed, really. I mean, I know that the final score with Kansas City wasn't that bad, but if you watch that game... Uh, that it was, was that bad. <laughs> it was that bad. <laughs> it was. And so, you know, you got two pissed off teams going to play each other at 5 o'clock on a Monday. Yeah. I'm not going to bet this one, but this is my game of the week. I'm excited to watch this matchup. Yeah, I think it'll be good. Um, I know that, you know, this is the game where Josh Allen wins and everyone goes, ooh, but... You know, if I told you the Bills lost back-to-back games or Kansas City lost back-to-back games, just off that principle. The the Bills sounds more believable. Right, and that's kind of where I'm leaning now. Um, I think this is is where my uh, my – I think I pointed this whole stretch out as being like, well, I'm going to get to sit back and laugh in everyone's face uh, at what the – uh, what happens to the Bills here as they come into their tough part of their schedule after beating up a bunch of, uh, you know, I think they beat a bunch of overmatched people at the time, uh, the Raiders being the one exception. But uh, they got Tennessee, they got handed to them. They're going to get Kansas City next, uh, and they're going to get it handed to them. Then they get the Jets, and that's going to be the feel-good game. That's going to be the day where everyone, oh, Josh Allen back in the race. And then they're going to get swamped by New England, swamped by Seattle, and that's going to be the last I hear about Josh Allen for the rest of the year. Market fucking zero. I wanted to take a just a slight step back uh, before we were talking about our teams that we're keeping an eye on and just you know teams that that are interesting to us going forward. And I'm still keeping my eye on New England. Uh, I know that you know I know Cam Newton missed the last game because of COVID, and so they lose to Kansas City. But the New England still looks good to me. Uh, and yeah, I don't count out Bill Belichick and I kind of want to see what they look like in this stretch coming up they got the Broncos 49ers Bills Jets and then Ravens Uh, you know there's some some easy games baked into there and then there's some tough games against the Bills and the Ravens and I I really want to see what we get from New England going forward in this season because I'm still a believer I think that Cam with Bill they're going to do something over there and if they add you know, some talent along the way, like Le'Veon Bell, maybe bring Antonio Brown back. I don't know. But New England is a team that I am always keeping an eye on. Just just to say I'm not a complete believer in Buffalo yet. Yeah. Um, and, hey, I definitely believe that Buffalo is going to be a playoff team. I just, uh, I don't know. I've watched the guy. That's it. That's simple. I've just watched the guy. So, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, you know, I said, I took four weeks and I said, you're, I'm going to be Rambo up in these hills and you're not going to fucking get me out of here. And, you know, I just slaughtered the first wave of people you sent. So we, now we get Chiefs. Do I get to slaughter another wave? Like at that point, if you lose to Tennessee and the Chiefs, let's just say hypothetically lose to both them, you're kind of done, right? You're out of the MVP race entirely. I mean, you're, you're. You're, you're, I think you're done. I think, uh, you know, because anyone can just point to, and we're going to do a little special MVP uh, podcast later, but um, I, I just think you're done. I, I think you could point to Tannehill or Mahomes then at that point and be like, well, you got to give it to either one of them first. So My boy Tannehill. Yep. Yes. Give him his flowers. Give- <laughs> what is with these fucking flowers? We're going to be out. The environment needs to keep their flowers. Everyone else gets something else. Get a wreath or something. Go chop down a fucking... 
uh, one of those uh, spruce trees that seem to pop up. Man, well, give them something. If give it's him. not flowers, give my boy Tannehill something. Yeah, he already got us something. They uh, they got him away from Adam Gase. I think that's the gift that keeps on giving. It's like Christmas morning every day. You wake up, look at the newspaper, look at the Jets are the worst team in the NFL by a country mile, and then go, okay, you know, ah, <laughs> could have been me. That could have been fucking me. Uh, so, you know, it's 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 a good pick. All right. Any parting thoughts before we get out of here? Oh, all right. You can catch me on Twitter, Pick and Play 37. Uh, you can catch Leo at Pick and Scroll Hoops. Oh, uh, Pick and Scroll. Uh, I know Hoops have come to an end here, but we will be picking that back up when it returns. I always rate, subscribe, review. Um, stay safe out there. And thank you for listening.